The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Good morning. It's Friday the 15th of September here in London. This is the Blueberg Daybreak Europe podcast. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Coming up today, a union representing 150,000 US auto workers goes on strike, hitting three of the country's biggest car makers. Arms shares jumped by 25% as this year's biggest IPO takes off. And we take a closer look at how ever wilder weather swings have forced a complete redesign of some of the world's busiest airports. Let's start with a roundup of our top stories. Workers at America's biggest auto union have gone on strike after a deadline to agree a deal with three major car makers passed. GM, Ford and Stellantis are currently offering pay rises of up to 20% over four and a half years, but the United Auto Workers wants 36%. The union represents 150,000 workers. Speaking before the deadline passed, its president, Sean Fain, made clear they would not be backing down. If we need to go all out, we will. Everything is on the table. One study suggests that even a 10-day strike by Sean Fein's UAW union could cost the US economy $5.6 billion in lost output and push the state of Michigan into recession. Shares in the UK-based chip designer Arm have climbed 25% after the year's biggest stock listing. Though Arm isn't well known amongst consumers, its technology is Almost in every smartphone, the UK government failed in its bid to convince the firm, though, to list in London. But the company's CEO, René Haas, has told Bloomberg that he is open to the idea of a secondary listing in Britain. Yeah, so today, obviously, we're in New York, uh, but we're incredibly proud of our UK heritage. And we are open to considering that down the road. Haas added that he's confident that the company's growth will be sustained. The IPO raised close to $5 billion for investment firm SoftBank, which still owns 90% of Arm. China's economy is picking up steam as a summer travel boom and Beijing stimulus measures have helped to boost consumer spending and factory output. Industrial and retail sales growth jumped in August from a year earlier, far exceeding expectations. The PBOC left its key policy rate unchanged while injecting cash into the market for the 10th consecutive month. Still weakness in the property market remains as prices continue to decline. The European Central Bank has raised interest rates for the 10th time in a row. Announcing the move to 4%, ECB President Christine Lagarde signalled a shift in gear that could mean the peak has been reached. The focus is probably going to move a bit more to the duration, but it is not to say, because we can't say that now, that we are at peak. 
Many economists and investors had thought that a 4% base rate would be the high watermark. The central bank's new outlook for economic growth shows markedly softer expansion and inflation staying above 2% until the end of 2025 for Europe. Markets have also brought forward pricing now of a first 25 basis point ECB rate cut to June next year in the wake of Lagarde's comments. The US president's son has been charged with unlawfully purchasing a firearm as his legal issues muddy his father's bid for re-election. After Hunter Biden's plea deal imploded earlier this year, prosecutors have begun to file a case against him. Democratic Congressman Jamie Raskin says backing the courts should be a bipartisan issue. We can all applaud the fact when the the system in the courts is working and the justice system is working and you know I don't think people should applaud the system when it works for Hunter Biden but then try to tear the system down when it works for Donald Trump. Maryland Representative and Law Professor Jamie Raskin reacting there to Republicans who are calling for more charges to be brought against Hunter Biden. The team investigating his Biden's son have signalled that they are considering bringing more serious charges for alleged failures to report millions of dollars in income, including from China and Ukraine. And lastly, Apple is facing a controversy in France over the iPhone 12's radiation levels. Bloomberg has learned that it has advised its tech support staff not to volunteer any information to customers if they raise the issue. It comes as the French government asked Apple earlier this week to cease sales of the iPhone 12 because tests showed that the device emits electromagnetic waves that are too strong. Apple rebutted the claims and said that it would engage with France to show that the iPhone Phone 12 is compliant. Seems that we have a theme this week of the most weird and wonderful jobs that there might be out there for you. NASA has named a new person who's going to be in charge of UFOs, basically trying to find a scientific, evidence-based approach to understanding unexplained events in the sky. We all know that it's a US obsession. It seems to be perhaps a global one. Uh, But now there's going to be one person sort of solely in charge of looking at it at NASA. Interestingly, they won't name the person, which is perhaps other email inbox isn't filled with uh, reports from people around the world. Um, But it is somebody who has worked uh, in the position for a while, according to NASA. um, And they they went on to name him after that, after saying they wouldn't originally. uh, And Mark McInerney is the man. So, I mean, this is going to be a very interesting position to watch to see what he comes up with. I wonder why, because for for decades, NASA's tried to ignore some perhaps sometimes unexplained um, at least publicly. objects publicly yeah. unexplained objects in the sky but then they they started asking you know sourcing the public for information about it and they want to have apparently a conversation that is less sensational and more about science so yes there you go strange and interesting jobs in the world Indeed, yeah in our basket of strange and interesting jobs of this week um, let's turn next to get the latest on that move the thousands of members of the United Auto Workers who've gone on strike at selected General Motors Ford and Stellantis plants in the United States. This comes after the union and automakers fail to reach a deal on a new labour contract. We've got Bloomberg Kriti Gupta with us in studio for more on this story. Kriti, great to have you uh, with us. What exactly has happened? The deadline has passed. The deadline has passed. Look, there's picketing happening right now in, in Detroit, Michigan, and Missouri, and a lot of these car maker plants across the United States. But mind you, it is the middle of the night, and 
basically plant uh, workers have quite literally walked off of the property and started picketing, including the president of the United Auto Workers Union, Sean Fain himself. Now, he's the one who declared the strike. He's the one who's been in the bargaining table with GM Ford Stellantis. But he's representing about 150,000 people, mostly concentrated in Detroit, Michigan. But let me just kind of emphasize the scale of how big of a deal this is. If the strike goes on long enough, because we are in the, what, early hours of it. It's mm-hmm. been about two hours since that declaration has been made. If the strike goes on long enough, economists have said not only will Detroit perhaps face a recession, the city of Detroit, but the entire state of Michigan. That is in the top 10 GDP contributors to the entire American economy. That's how big of a deal this is. But look, it affects people at, right here at home as well in Europe and in, in London as well, and arguably in China. And the CEO of Mercedes-Benz made a really great point. This changes the cost of labor, because when you take 150,000 people out of the supply of labor, you are suddenly not only paying higher wages, you're looking for more people, and that's going to ultimately show up in how much a consumer pays for a vehicle. Mm. How are the companies then reacting and responding to this? It's obviously after a series of uh, negotiations. Yeah, well, Stellantis was the first to respond. And look, Stellantis is a really interesting component here because it's the one, only one company of the three that is not actually American in Detroit, right? Stellantis is a European company. And we've had CEO Carlos Tavares on the network multiple times. And one of the criticisms of that was that he wasn't as involved in the negotiations with the union. So his very first commentary was that he was disappointed that the UAW wasn't willing to engage. Uh, But again, the UAW has made the point that Carlos Tavares wasn't willing to engage by making the trip to Detroit. So there are two sides to the story here. The commentary Stellantis made is they are in contingency mode. They are preparing for the worst. They're expecting this to go much, much longer and and it very well could. What could be the impact of this down the line? Obviously, you say we're in the early hours of this as well, but disruption to these Line, these lines of production could be huge. Massive. Absolutely massive. And, and Ford and GM are really going to take the brunt of it here simply because of the presence that they have in the United States as well. I think the timeline really matters here because look at what the negotiating terms actually were. The union came out and said, came out swinging really, and said over the next four and a half year contract, they want a 46% pay raise. That is a staggering. That's a lot. Yeah, (laughs) that is a lot for even the highest of achievers. Um, But that has still been negotiated down to about 36 percent. And GM Ford uh, have come out and said, look, we'll give you 20 percent over four and a half years, which, again, is not a number to scoff at, but is is still significantly lower than what they're asking for at 36 percent. So seeing a lot of pain there. Yeah, absolutely. But I suppose, you know, low uh, unemployment, high inflation means really quite um, eye watering numbers. I mean, I suppose the other thing is the impact on electric vehicle makers. This is the great change that the U.S. is making. The rest of the world is meant to be making. I mean, I remember back in the day when I was living in the U.S. and we had the great financial crisis and, you know, Obama bailing out Detroit effectively, having to help out those those huge names because there were so many difficulties for them. Massively important industry for the U.S. Oh, massively. And, 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 you know, these blue collar workers really take it as a point of pride. So it's not just about the money here or or the working conditions. It really is about this kind of industry that they've built with their hands. And I I would argue, I mean, let's take a a quick case study here. Tesla, for example, when you think of electric vehicles, a lot of that process is automated. A lot of that process has to do with engineering, with batteries, not necessarily physical manual labor or design, for example. And that's really where you start to see the structural shift in in the auto industry really take hold. And that's, of course, one of the concerns 
on top of pay as well. But look, you're seeing that happen across the country. In Hollywood, you're seeing that in shipping. You are seeing that in Wall Street. You're even seeing that in Silicon Valley. So this is a, a true labor movement that really couldn't have this large of an effect if you weren't seeing it in every industry, in every part of the country. What about the political ramifications of this as well? Because for, obviously this is something that's going to be brought up both yeah. in election campaigns but also a Democratic president in the White House. How important is that in this background? It's really interesting actually because the UAW, when you think of Democrats versus Republicans, Democrats traditionally favor unions, Republicans traditionally favor kind of corporations and, and fewer regulations and, and things like that. A lot of union workers had actually voted for President Biden. That's not surprising. The UAW specifically has not endorsed President Biden in the re-election for 2024, which which is really interesting because most unions do. They lean Democrat. So you've actually seen President Trump and some of the other Republican candidates go after the UAW and mm-hmm. say, hey, will you endorse us instead? And 150,000 votes in Detroit, in Michigan, that's not something to scoff at and could really change the entire game of how the election works out in a year. Yeah, absolutely. So interesting. Kriti, thank you so much for being with us on Bloomberg Radio this morning. Uh, Bloomberg's Kriti Gupta. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. So to a story about airports across the world, they are making changes to their runways and other infrastructure in order to adapt to increasingly extreme weather conditions as climate change takes its toll. Bloomberg's aerospace reporter Kate Duffy joins us for more on this story now. Good morning, Kate. Thanks for your time. How is climate change then having an impact on airports? So what we're seeing is that climate change is having a profound impact on airports, so much so that it can sometimes disrupt air travel by causing delays and cancellations. Um, And the extreme weather conditions derived from climate change include higher precipitation levels, storm surges, higher temperatures, and this could all destroy airport infrastructure over time. So, for example, the London Luton Airport's runway um, last year during the heat wave suffered a surface defect. Um, and more recently, sudden rainfall in Frankfurt's airport um, caused the airfield to flood, making it almost making it look like planes were parked in a lake. And meanwhile, over in Alaska, underlying permafrost um, is thawing due to due to higher temperatures and um, destroying runways and roads as well so this isn't just specified to airports in one corner of the world this is all over how yeah how urgent is this issue and i suppose how widespread are we talking you mentioned some of the diverse locations there but i suppose how many airports are, are really looking at this 
Yeah, so those are some of the airports that I spoke to, but there's no doubt that the aviation industry is taking the matter extremely seriously. Um, so Eurocontrol, for example, that's the European Airspace Coordinator, has called on airports as well as airlines to adapt um, to the more frequent weather conditions that we are seeing. Um, while the Port of Authority of New York and New Jersey, um, they said that they're on very high alert because of the threats of climate change um, and from the airports I've spoken to, it's it's clear that, that the issue affects different latitudes, um, which, which is why it's so prevalent. And it's obviously important to keep global air traffic flowing, um, keep it smooth. And if airports don't adapt to the weather extremes in their climate, this could leave them um, exposed to damage and disruption and, and obviously forcing delays and cancellations. What are airports doing about it then? And also, obviously, the costs must be significant. Yeah, so different airports are making different adaptations according to the, the climatic changes that they're experiencing. So in Alaska, one of the measures that they've implement, implemented is, is slotting insulation into the ground to thermally protect the permafrost, because when it thaws, um, as I said, this can destroy runways and, and, run, and, and roads. Um, and in New York, the port is looking to elevate or relocate buildings to other areas of the airport, which are less um, flood prone. And that's because a lot of New York airports are low lying and near bodies of water. So whenever there's increased precipitation or storm surges, um, this can increase the risk of flooding. Um, and in fact, JFK is undergoing a $19 billion transformation. And part of that includes adaptations um, to climate change, such as flood doors. Um, whereas closer to home, we're having different issues. So in France, Nice Airport has cut back on the amount of industrial water that it uses for cleaning because of a lack of water and higher temperatures. And um, Schiphol Airport in Amsterdam is tackling the blazing heat by creating shadowed areas and also tackling the higher pre precipitation by redesigning runways. So they're elevated slightly in the centre and then mm. slope down towards the sides. So there's different adaptations for different airports, but in terms of costs, I mean, it's not yeah. cheap. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.